Welcome to the NPM Podcast. I'm John Burke, Managing Editor of NPM. Joining me today is Clean Capital's CEO, Thomas Byrne, Chief Commercial Officer, Julia Bell, alongside uh, one of my reporters, Michelle France. Welcome to the program today, everyone. Thanks, John. Great to be here. So it's been quite a busy month already so far for Clean Capital as it recently obtained a $500 million investment commitment from Manulife investment management to fund early stage development, acquire renewable energy assets throughout the US and expand partnerships in emerging markets. Uh, Clean Capital has acquired and maintained over 400 megawatts of renewable energy projects across 28 states and has a 1.4 gigawatt pipeline of projects in development. So to start off, uh, Manulife has been a partner with you before and already has a very strong investment book in the renewable energy energy industry. Uh, however, it, it is certainly challenging times for a lot of things. And I thought it'd be good to start off to talk about um, the challenges and, and solutions in getting this uh, commitment in place. Sure. Um, you know, the, the capital markets environment, um, well, first of all, John and Michelle, it's really nice to be with you. And, and thank you for having Julia and I on uh, your podcast um your question um it's a challenging environment um in all segments of the capital markets um you know recently chairman powell for the first time in over a year did not increase interest rates um but you know that is they've been going up over the last year um changing the investment landscape quite a bit in our sector um, but with the, the investment from Manulife, this, this additional follow-on investment from Manulife, I think it reflects that good assets um, still get capital, still are very investable. Um, the types of investments that we target um, and the corresponding risk-reward of the assets that we target still have a place amongst institutional investors like Manulife. Um, they are still... Um, they're still attractive. They still have the right risk profile. So I think our the investment for Manulife simply reflects that this segment, not just clean capital, but our segment at large, is actually still very much investable, uh, which uh, bodes well uh, for the future. So um, the announcement uh, outlined a couple of distinct categories of um, use of proceeds. Um, which areas do you think will really benefit most you know, in the long run from uh, this uh, commitment and uh, why? Um, Julia and I could probably both tackle this question. Um, my, my vantage point is, or my views are, um, you know, we, we're still doing what we've always done, which is invest in clean energy infrastructure. Um, we, we started off investing in solar primarily, uh, and we've increasingly invested in storage. And we're open to other segments of the market as the clean energy transition continues. Uh, we try to find uh, compelling investment opportunities. Um, there's no particular one that I would say stands out. It's solar storage, clean energy infrastructure are going to be key ingredients to the clean energy transition uh, going forward. And it's our jobs as stewards of capital to find ways to invest in them uh, in, a, in a smart way. Uh, so, so nothing stands out in particular, um, other than continuing to invest in, in in good, stable, clean energy infrastructure. And 
it's coming at a great time because while clean capital has gotten this wonderful infusion of new funds from Manulife, the industry as a whole got an infusion of funds from the IRA. So we are seeing a whole new set of energy and, and enthusiasm from folks who want renewable energy product projects in their state, in their, in, on their brownfields that creates a lot of new opportunities for us to match our investment with some of the opportunities out there. Great. Um, Michelle, you have some questions? Can you discuss what market trends you see servicing in DG this year and how clean capital intends to invest in those spaces? Yeah, sure. the, yeah, Julia, go ahead. You take it away. Yeah, we are constantly on the lookout for what are the new emerging markets. So we see a couple that are really coming to the forefront. A lot of new interest in community solar programs from new states. Um, I'm sure, as you saw, Ohio just put out uh, some new legislation around a community solar program. We're really excited about that, hoping that is a trend for the Midwest and building out some ability for more folks to be getting solar, solar power. Um, we're also very much looking at brownfields. We, as, as you all know, did an investment in BQ Energy almost exactly a year ago. And they had been a leader in brownfields to begin with. And that's really been emphasized in the IRA. And we're seeing so much interest in being able to use that land in a new fashion. You mentioned Ohio. How about the other Midwestern states like um, Michigan and Wisconsin who have proposed legislation? We are watching with bated breath. <laughs> Any anyone in those states, call your legislators. <laughs> Can you discuss where clean capital is in terms of storage and how you intend to grow it within your portfolio and future deals? Yeah, uh, storage has always been um, for the last three years has been a forefront for clean capital. I think it's been at the forefront for the entire industry, um, and, and it's very good challenge over the last call it three, four years has been where uh, storage is actually getting installed and built. Um, it's no coincidence that it's um, growing in states that have high renewable uh, energy capacity um, because obviously the intermittent nature of wind and solar um, necessitates storage to be installed, uh, installed to complement it. Um, California, Massachusetts, ERCOT. Um, it's really no coincidence to see that. We, we've found that, um, and we, we've, we have a number of storage assets in our development pipeline. And we've found that for us, um, storage is, um, storage from, from an investment perspective um, is much more challenging than solar. Um, there are certain states that it's fully merchant. There's a high, a uh, high amount of volatility of revenue, high amount of unpredictability of revenue. That could be good, that could be bad, right? So, but there's more risk. So we've tried to deviate from certain states. You know, Urkel's not an area where we are developing a lot of assets. We have a couple, but um, that's an area where it's much more volatile. Um, California, New York, 
Massachusetts, for different policy reasons, is a little bit less volatile and more investable uh, for clean capital. But there, we know many friends of ours who are investing heavily in other much more merchant variable um, uh, se segments of the storage market and doing so very well. Um, is the New York uh, program that's come about looked any more interesting to you? The incentive program that they're they're offering out there right now, Julia. Very much <laughs> so. <laughs> Very much so. It's a really exciting time. I think it's opening new doors for projects in New York. We're excited to see some of the details that are coming out around what the the final incentives look like. Okay. Um. So. You know, the M&A uh, environment got a, one conclusion earlier this week with uh, Duke Energy uh, finally able to get selling its commercial renewables business to Brookfield. Um, and I think there's another deal coming up behind that with their DG business. Um, there's been a lot talked about that you're more likely to see maybe, uh, and you are seeing projects start to hit the market with more frequency than platforms. Um, and I, I think it's a case of, you know, just some um, brush back against platforms in general in terms of development pipelines and, and how people used to value it and how they value it today. And they're also seeing projects trade too. And so there, there's, you know, there's that uh, rubric out there. Um, but I'm not going to begin to describe $500 million to you. Um, I'm just going to merely sort of ask your thoughts, you know, and Julia, I know this question is directly to you, basically, you know, when approaching the M&A market, you know, in 2023 and beyond, um, you know, what you're going to focus on. I think you've reminded me too, when we met uh, earlier this year, that BQ Energy was truly one of the, the platforms that you had bought into as opposed to other projects where I was almost unaware. I was like, oh, wow, that really is. Um, but um, anyway, just wanted to get your your thoughts about the roadmap here. Absolutely. We are incredibly opportunistic on good investments. Our bread and butter has always been assets, starting with operating to NTP assets and now early stage development assets. We're always going to be on the lookout for those and be acquiring those as part of our strategy. We are also open to and interested in select strong platform investments, as you saw with our BQ investment. They're certainly harder to value from an M&A perspective, you know, the the Bragawatt pipelines are certainly out there and sorting through to sort of find the meat of those is definitely a process. And it's really hard to figure out how a team that's worked well together in one situation will work well together in a new situation. But there's so many incredible teams out there that are doing great work that we would certainly be interested in investing in. You know, one of our our key pieces at Clean Capital is our, our culture. So making sure we do have that cultural fit with anyone who's coming on board. Um, long way of saying, we are looking for both. <laughs> so, and with 500 million, you know, we are eager, eager to be investing in both, so. 
Okay. Uh, you guys, and unfortunately or fortunately, had the luck of of being the first podcast guest um, in 24 hours since the IRS passed formal guidance on tax transferability and direct pay. Uh, so um, I don't think it's a left field question, but I will ask if you had any preliminary thoughts about the guidance and how it will affect your strategy going forward. Yeah, my my perspective is that it's it's first of all long overdue. I thought that was supposed to come out like two or three months after the IRA passed. You're um, asking the U.S. government to move fast. <laughs> yeah, um, I, 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 I felt like the entirety of this uh, of 2023 was people saying, "Oh, the guidance is coming." Um, and, and now we finally got it. Um, you know, our team's obviously unpacking it to best understand it, but the concept of transferability makes, makes a lot of sense, um, and is very helpful and supportive of the business. I know, um, some funds have already been created around the concept of transferability. So people are already lining up to buy tax credits, um, for particularly for a business like ours, where we, um, we like to invest in, in segments of the clean energy transition that are, are are not immediately down the middle of the fairway. Um, as Julia said, we, we invest in brownfields. So we like to put solar panels on landfills and Superfund sites. Um, we like to invest in community solar, which has certain complexities um, and perceived risks, not actual risks in my view, but perceived risks that um, mainstream tax equity did not uh, does not look favorably upon. Um, we do smaller assets, um, st storage assets, just things that the big tax equity investors steered away from because they could. Um, and transferability is a great mechanism to plug in there. Um, so I think once that market um, starts to really become dynamic, vibrant, it's going to be a great source of capital for projects that are critical to 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 getting built, crit critically needed to getting built, and it offers a way for them to have predictable tax uh, offload for tax equity or transfer for, for the tax credit. So, I, I think getting the guidance. I mean, IRA passing transferability was a big deal. Getting the guidance yesterday um, was a, a big deal, and now we have to see the market emerge. Great. Um, so just two, uh, areas to close it off. Um, first of all, on the, uh, domestic manufacturing front where, uh, we've certainly seen our fair share of headlines come up, um, lately, uh, with Q cells and Anel, you get, you get start started on their, um, plant, plant build and plant expansion as in the case of Q cells. Um, and, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, plenty of um, initiative coming up there. I'm just kind of wondering, given that all you've invested into the, um, the space, you know, the past few years, if you guys have thought about investing on, on the manufacturing side of things as well um, as a way to, um, you know, invest in and, in, in, you know, help the issue, but also help your own projects as well on that, on that front. I know they're smaller or not all, but, you know, I just thought I'd ask. We are absolutely looking at this. I think everyone in the industry has been plagued by supply chain difficulties and logistics difficulties over the past year and a half to the extent that the idea of onshore manufacturing is so exciting to all of us. 
there are a lot of great opportunities out there. I think we'll still need to do some imports, but we are certainly looking at it um, as a real area for our own growth and to support U.S. manufacturing, which is really important. You know, I think there's there's always going to be a little bit of a pricing challenge and understanding that, you know, for us, the IRA adder is really helpful, but we do expect overall construction costs to increase with some of the U.S. manufactured goods. So getting to the point where those two balance each other out, I think, is still a few years away. But it's a really exciting time, and we're certainly really excited to support the sector as a whole. Great. And just lastly, um, other clean energy technologies. Obviously, the IRA is expansive and goes to a number of clean energy um, tax credits uh, now. Is there any other uh, technologies you guys are weighing, looking into, or exploring a little bit, even I mean, maybe I was even thinking something like the, the the marriage of EVs with with CNI and that kind of that kind of uh, convergence. If that's something you guys are looking at, yeah, I think you hit on the uh, sort of natural extension of the the sort of behind the meter or small scale solar storage. The natural extension of that is having some sort of EV infrastructure component. We actually have some EV charging stations on some of our projects already. Um, so those have been at the request of the off takers, actually, um, in, in those in those specific instances. We're never a first mover um, into we're not doing green hydrogen this year. I'm, I'm here to proclaim to the market. If you have a green hydrogen project, talk to us in 2025. We're happy to look at it then. Uh, we're not doing it this year. Um, we were when we started the company, Community Solar was only in Minnesota. Storage was just some futuristic concept. And now we're leaders in both of them. Um, so we're not afraid to get into new clean energy transition uh, um, sectors, um, but we like to do it thoughtfully. We like to not be the first uh, first mover. We like to be a fast follower. And I think as the clean energy market expands and new technologies emerge, we're going to be a capital provider for them at some point. Um, just not, um, you know, not not really new novel ones right, right, uh, right away got it okay well that's about all the time we have so thanks for uh joining us today guys and uh we hope listeners will tune in and uh, tune in next time um, that's all work out <laughs>